Reasonable Faith, Lesson 4, Not by Works, presented by Pastor James McIntyre. Pastor McIntyre here, and we meet in this fourth video to continue reasoning in respect to our faith and considering what the Bible has to say about some very important issues. In the first three videos, we've been considering sin, and we've basically looked at three general areas related to sin. In the first video, we considered sin defined. In the second video, we considered the presence of sin. And in the previous video, video three, we considered the end of sin. And um, we closed that video with what we hope was a very sober warning to consider the consequences of sin, the eternal consequences of sin, and that uh, the sin issue is something that uh, we all must give uh, some thought to. We must come to grips with our relationship to sin and how that impacts and affects our relationship with God. And this is a vitally important area. In this particular video and in the next two, we're turning a corner, uh, maybe kind of taking a curve, maybe more than actually turning a corner. Uh, but we're beginning that process in this video number three. And um, we want to spend some time here uh, talking about a false concept. And uh, the reason this is important is because given the things that we've shared in the first three videos, and if a person comes to a place in their life where they're willing to accept uh, the truths that have been presented and they acknowledge the reasonableness of these truths, they recognize that indeed they are a transgressor of God's law and that uh, sin is a miserable condition and they come to recognize that the end of their sin is eternal damnation and uh, they become concerned about that and rightfully they should. And oftentimes when people come to that place, religion steps in and it provides a list of things for people to do in order to compensate for uh, the transgressions that they've committed in respect to God's law. And uh, this is a false concept. It's kind of like uh, I always think about it in the sense of uh, a scale, a scale. And you have uh, on one side your all of your bad works, your transgressions, if you will, all the times you've transgressed the law of God. On the other side, in the other balance, you have uh, all of your good works and people kind of embrace the attitude and the spirit and religion is built around this, that if you can just live in such a way that that your good works outweigh your bad works on the day of judgment, then uh, you'll be okay. But there's a couple of problems with that. One is uh, that um, the Scripture just does not teach that. That's not what the Bible uh, reveals to us about the day of judgment. It's not what the Bible reveals to us about any hope of having righteousness. And um, it's a completely uh, false idea. And um, another problem with that is that it assumes that even if it were possible to have more good works than bad works, that the good works make the bad works go away. But logically, we know that's not true, uh, and it's not reasonable to think that way. I mean, if you have a man uh, 
who commits a theft, and yet uh, he goes out and he uh, gives twenty dollars to fifty people. Uh, we don't look at the twenty dollars that he gave to fifty people and say, okay, well, that means he doesn't have to be accountable for the theft that he committed. The fact is, he can do any benevolent thing that he wants to, but it doesn't change the fact that a theft has been committed, and that there's going to be some consequences for that. Well, the same thing's true spiritually. Whatever whatever good works we may manage to do. Um, the fact of the matter is it does not erase the multitude of transgressions that we've committed against God's law. There has to be something else in place to rectify that. And so really over the course of these next three videos, we're going to be considering righteousness. And again, to begin, to begin that conversation here in this fourth video, we're going to begin to consider the way that a man is not made righteous. And this is important because it does certainly fly in the face of so much of what religion teaches today. But plainly stated, um, we are not made righteous by good works. Uh, there are numerous verses in Old and New Testament that bear out this truth. We're going to take some time and just look at a few of them in this video. And the first, and it's probably first because it's maybe the better known of the rest of them, and also it just powerfully and concisely and very uh, forthrightly puts forth this truth. And that's in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's there where the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we learn some very valuable truths here related to righteousness, related to salvation. The Bible emphatically declares that it's by grace that we're saved. Grace is undeserved favor that's given to us. It's when someone does something for us that we we have not merited, we have not earned, we're undeserving of it. In fact, probably the more likely cases we're deserving of the exact opposite. So we're getting something that we do not deserve in a favorable in a favorable context. And so our salvation is by grace. And um, we're saved by grace. We're not saved because we've earned it. We're not saved because we've done good works. We're not saved because at one point we realized that we had transgressed God's law and now we're going to start doing the right things and we're not going to break God's law, even if that was a possibility. We're saved by grace and through faith. So salvation is uh, applied to our lives and made available to us through faith by believing something. We have to believe something. There's something that the Bible says we have to believe. We're going to deal with that in greater length in the, the next lesson, but uh, there's something that we have to believe, and it's through believing the right thing, not just believing whatever we want to, however sincerely, but believing the right thing, believing what the Bible tells us to believe, that God, by His grace, saves us. And then, getting into verse 9, the Bible says, and that not of yourselves. So, salvation Salvation is not of ourselves. It clearly states that. It's not by doing good works. It's not by uh, fulfilling the commandments, keeping the commandments. That's not how we're, uh, we uh, gain salvation. In fact, the Bible says, actually at the end of verse 8, it's the gift of God. And it's amazing to me how when we come to spiritual realities, people seem to lose sight of what a gift is. Uh, but in the 
In the human realm, we clearly know what that is. A gift is something that someone gives to us, and it requires no payment on our part. They bear the cost of it, and it's provided to us, and there's no cost or no service that has to be rendered in order to receive that thing. And that's what salvation is. God has given us salvation. He's provided salvation as a gift. We don't have to uh, do anything. We don't have to uh, perform any good work. We don't have to render any service in order to have salvation. In fact, he says in verse 9, not of works. I mean, I just don't know that it could be any clearer than that. There's no good works that we can do that God would look at it and say, well, you deserve my salvation. It's not of works. It's not because of what we do. It's not because we've done this good thing or that good thing, or we haven't done this bad thing, or we haven't violated this commandment. And the Bible right here tells us why God arranged it this way, that salvation would be by grace and not of works. He says, lest any man should boast. Because if it were by our own works, if it were by our baptism, by reading our Bibles, praying, going to church, uh, being a good person, whatever the case may be, not lying, stealing, committing adultery, if it were by any of those things, then we would have reason and occasion to boast. And God is determined to get all the glory to himself. And because that's what he desires, the salvation that he provides is a salvation that's by grace, and it's a gift that he gives us. And so uh, I think those two verses certainly make that abundantly clear. There's another verse a little further along in the New Testament, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So Again, this verse just doubles doubles down on this um, very important premise that we're not saved. We're not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved because we keep the Ten Commandments. We're not saved because we do everything we know we should do and don't do anything that we know we shouldn't do. We're not, we're not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved by doing uh, right things and even in the eyes of men or God, whatever the case may be, we're not saved by doing those kinds of things. In fact, the Bible says, but, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So we, we're learning here that salvation is by grace and mercy, that God doesn't give us what we deserve as transgressors of his law, which is eternal damnation. He's merciful to us. He extends mercy, and he saves us by, our, by his grace. So he gives us something we don't deserve. So he withholds from us. He wants to withhold from us that which we do deserve as transgressors, and he wants to give us something that we don't deserve as transgressors. In fact, he says uh, that uh, this salvation is uh, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And uh, this word regeneration here, it's simply a word generation, birth, regeneration, a rebirth, a new birth, being born again. And so this salvation is by the process of being born again, being born anew. In fact, he says in the renewing of the Holy Ghost, 
Ghost. So salvation is a renewing. It's a new birth. It's a new start. It's a it's an opportunity to uh, get things right with God and move on with a different mindset and a different heart and a different spirit. We're saved by God's mercy and we're spiritually reborn and renewed. And it's the work of the Spirit. So when God saves us by his mercy and grace, he doesn't leave us the same. We're renewed. We're born again. Life in in a spiritual sense starts over. And um, I know that many people want to uh, want to hold on to the fact that, you know, something good that they've done uh, is going to give them some assurance of salvation. Oftentimes in the religious world in which we live, it's baptism. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to people about spiritual things, asked them about their certainty in going to heaven and, and being saved, and and how oftentimes people will refer to their baptism, say, well, yeah, I've been baptized. And unfortunately, baptism is a good work, but it won't save you. You can be baptized in every church in town and still die and go to hell. You can be baptized as a baby. You can be baptized as an adult. You can be baptized baptized as a young person or an old person, and baptism never has saved anyone, and it never will save anyone. And for that matter, any other good work, baptism seems to be the thing that so much emphasis is placed on today when it comes to salvation, but it doesn't save anyone. It's simply a good work that we do, and it has no saving merit. In fact, Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the Old Testament prophet said, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So it's important that we understand the Bible says that we are all as an unclean thing. That's God's view of us. And again, this goes back to the previous three videos, and and it's, uh, it's a premise that's very hard for human pride to accept, and yet it's fundamental. Accepting this premise is fundamental to having a right and proper relationship with God. We must accept God's judgment on the matter that we are all as an unclean thing. As long as we think we're okay, as long as we think we just might be good enough or we are good enough, we'll never know and understand and be able to enjoy what God has done for us in salvation. In fact, this very verse says that all our righteousnesses, and it is plural, every good thing that we've done, every righteous work that we've done, at least in our own eyes, maybe in the eyes of others, the Bible says they're like filthy rags. And again, this is from God's perspective. God sees it this way. So the whole the whole idea that I might be able to do a, a, a set of good things, a, a set of righteous works, a set of religious works, and by doing these things, I'll gain the favor of God, is a complete mischaracterization of what the Bible teaches. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And in fact, he goes on and says, we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. I mean, that's our true state. That's our true state without God. That's the state in which we're born. Born. We cannot be saved because we are good, because we're unclean, the Bible declares. We cannot be saved because we do good, because all our goodness or righteousnesses is as filthy rags. 
And then we come back into the New Testament, Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. And the Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So again, we can understand this, uh, the idea of law here in a, in a simplified version, you might say, by the Ten Commandments, by the deeds of the law, by keeping the commandments of God, by keeping the Ten Commandments. The Bible says no flesh will be justified in his sight. So we're not going to be made right with God because we've kept the Ten Commandments or performed any other religious function for that matter. In fact, the Bible tells us here, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law wasn't even designed to bring us to a place of righteousness. The law was given that we might know sin. The law was given to validate what our conscience already tells us, that it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to commit adultery. It's wrong to murder. It's wrong to not put God first. It's wrong to take his name in vain. And all of these, all of these different things, the law was given that we might have the knowledge of sin, that we might understand, because it's written down for us, what constitutes a transgression of God's law. So by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified. This word justified too is probably worthy of note. It's an important biblical term, and it simply means to be made right with the law. It's the opposite, basically, in legal terms. It's the opposite of being condemned. And so we're not going to be made right with the law by keeping the deeds of the law. And the reason, as we've already stated in some of the previous videos, is because we've already broken God's law. We've transgressed God's law. And uh, we're born transgressing God's law. And so there's no way that we can hope to be made right with the law, having broken the law. And again, it's important to recognize it says no flesh shall be justified in his sight. Because this is what matters. What matters is how God sees us. What matters is how what God's determination is on the matter. Not what others say about us. Not what others see in us. Other people can tell us we're great people, and we're this or that or the other thing, and just build us up. But when we stand before God, none of that's going to account for anything. We've got to accept and embrace the judgment of God as it relates to humanity. And then, of course, you move over to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, and we find a similar statement. When the Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So again, we find... Uh, the same principles being emphasized here again, over and over again. I just don't think the scripture could be any more emphatic than what it is. And we're just touching the surface here in this video related to the verses and the passages that deal with this very important issue that men, sinners, transgressors cannot be justified, made right with the law by doing the works of the law. Because the only way for that to be true is for us to keep the law in every point, to never violate the law of God, to never transgress a commandment. And yet we all know, and we looked at this in video one, we all know that we have violated the Ten Commandments and on a multitude of times. And so we're not going to be justified by keeping the law. By, by no stretch of the imagination can that happen. Uh, in fact, this, this verse begins to give us a little hope in where we're ultimately headed. And we're going to be spending some more time talking about this in the next couple of videos, that while we're not justified by 
by the works of the law, by keeping the law, by not breaking the commandments. We are justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. And in fact, he says here, even we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified, that is made right with the law by the faith of Christ. So we're made right with the law, not by keeping the law. We can't do that, but we're made right with the law by faith, by the faith of Christ. And we'll, we're going to get in again, and we're going to get into uh, exactly what that means and what it means to have biblical faith. But suffice it now to say, at least at, at, at this point, that it's while we're backing ourselves into a corner and we're leaving ourselves in a hopeless place, it's only hopeless in respect to what we can do for ourselves. But God can step in and he can give us hope. And he does even here in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. And then one last verse I'd like to bring to your attention because, again, I think it just validates what we've been uh, discussing here in this video, and that's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. And Jesus is speaking to a group of people there, and he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I say, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So here we find Jesus acknowledging the fact that in the day of judgment, there will be many that come to him and even say, Lord, Lord. They'll even, they'll even acknowledge his lordship. They'll acknowledge his rightful place. And then they'll begin to mark out their righteous acts, things such as prophesying in his name and even the casting out of devils and basically just summarizing by saying, and in thy name done many wonderful works. One of the interesting things about this particular couple of verses that's always uh, uh, caught my attention is the fact that Jesus never says they didn't do those things. He never says, well, no, you didn't do those things. Or he doesn't even say, no, you didn't do those things in my name, as they claim to have done. He lets their, uh, he lets their uh, proposition stand. He lets their claim to goodness, to good works stand. But he also says in verse 23, these people standing before the judgment of God having made their argument by their good works that I will profess unto them, I never knew you. So here they did all these good things. They were did all these righteous religious acts. And yet the Lord in the day of judgment will say, I never knew you. In fact, he goes on and says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is striking because they list all of these things as their good works, and yet Jesus declares that they're works of iniquity, that they were workers of iniquity. So while these things in their own eyes and probably in the eyes of others were good works, in the Lord's eyes, they were works of iniquity. And uh, that... That is something that needs to be pondered. That's something that needs to be reflected on and something that people need to give serious consideration to. It goes all the way back to the passage that we looked at in Isaiah chapter 64 when we were told all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And um, this is the reality of it. This is God's judgment of it. 
And so they they had a different assessment of their works. They thought they thought they were wonderful works. The Lord said they were works of iniquity. And so it's important to recognize that not only are we lost in sin, not only are we transgressors of God's law, there's no way we can be good enough to save ourselves. All of the good things we might be able to do will not be good. Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, you that work iniquity. God is not impressed with our vain efforts at righteousness because the only thing an absolutely holy God is approved of or that he accepts or that he acknowledges as worthy is absolute holiness, absolute righteousness, complete obedience to the commands of God. And we've all fallen very far short of that. So to summarize this, salvation is a gift. It's not something that we can earn by good works, any kind of a good work. We're not going to be saved by our good works, but we're going to be saved by the mercy of God. God's not going to give us what we deserve. All our righteousnesses, all of our good works are filthy rags in the sight of God. You can't be made right with the law by your ability to keep the law because, again, we're transgressors. So this really, I mean, I suppose in some ways leaves us in a more precarious position than even the previous video. We certainly talked about the end of sin and the eternal damnation that uh, a life of sin is subject to if God is to be righteous. And really what we've spelled out in this particular video is there's not a thing in the world I can do about it to deliver myself from that. And likewise, there's not a thing in the world you can do to deliver yourself from it. You're a sinner, and now you can never be good enough. You can never be good enough. You can never do enough righteous works to gain the favor of God, to be justified, to be made right with the law of God. So we're in a desperate, desperate condition, a desperate, desperate state. And really, when it comes down to it, you need a Savior. I need a Savior. I need someone who will come and do for me that which I cannot do for myself. And I'm, again, just thankful to be able to say with all assurance of heart that God provided a Savior. In fact, he provided himself a Savior. And so in the next video, we're going to be looking at the gospel and exactly what the gospel is and why it's so important and um, so I, I encourage you to just continue to, uh, to follow along with these videos because, again, our heart's desire and the whole reason that we are uh, presenting these videos and, and uh, giving these lessons online uh, in a condensed format is so that you'll have an opportunity to think about what the Word of God says. You'll be able to have an opportunity to uh, contemplate your relationship with sin and the impact that that has on your relationship with God and to be able to do so in a context of truth and what the Scripture teaches. And again, uh, I would encourage you to go to this, uh, go to the website here and just uh, look at the material here. There, I 
think it'll help uh, help uh, solidify some of this in your mind. And again, we would just we would just make the claim and just ask you to continue to come come and sit with us in the next couple of videos and just reason together with us. We want we want you to know that when you leave this world, things are right between you and God. So until next time, it's Pastor McIntyre. This podcast was presented by Pastor James McIntyre, edited by Caleb McIntyre, and formatted for podcast by Jonathan McIntyre. A Reasonable Faith is an independent production of Faith Baptist Church in Freeport, Texas. For more information, visit www.areasonablefaith.org.